are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I was reading and studying and praying about a message for today. And I want to say this, I never deliver a message that I don't give it serious thought and serious consideration from the standpoint of the Word of God, the times we're living in, the need of the hour. And I feel today that I'm going to deliver to you a message that is needed second to no message because it has to do with the number one thing concerning you and where you'll spend eternity when you depart this life. In the little book of Jude, there is only one chapter in Jude, and we find in verse 3 these words, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, now I want you to underline those two words, the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now let me read that verse again. Beloved, beloved, and that means the born again. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me. Now this is Jude writing before the end of the first century of Christianity. These words were written almost, almost 1900 years ago, almost 19 centuries ago. Jude said, it was needful that I write concerning the common salvation and to earnestly, watch it now, write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Then he goes on to say in verse 4, Certain men are crept in unawares who were before of all ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, I don't believe there has ever been a time in the history of mankind when the need was greater to earnestly contend for the faith than it is on this day, I believe there are more ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness than ever before in the history of the Christian religion and in the history of mankind. I believe that. Scarcely can you pick up a newspaper or an outstanding magazine that you do not read some outstanding article by some renowned religionist who is taking issue with the Word of God and denying the fundamentals of the faith. I was down in Dallas, Texas in meetings not so long ago, and I picked up a newspaper and this fellow said, it's silly, it's absurd for anybody to say that God wrote the Bible. Why, he said, everybody knows that men wrote the Bible. And he said, we must interpret the Bible in the light of the times in which we live. God have mercy, God have mercy. Now, let me read on. If it was needful in the days of Jude when God's Holy Spirit dictated the epistle of Jude to this man and he wrote it down as God dictated it to him, 
to earnestly contend for the faith, how much more is it necessary for Oliver Green today to contend for the faith? Now then, what is he talking about? Now wait just a second and I'll show you what I'm trying to drive home today. Now there is Bible doctrine concerning the second coming, concerning law and concerning grace and concerning uh, the mark of the beast and concerning many other things, the millennium and concerning hell and heaven. But Jude said, I am admonishing you to contend for the faith concerning the common salvation. The common salvation. Now that doesn't mean common in that it's cheap or in that it costs little, but it means that it's common to all. Now that's another thing that is running wild today. These hyper-Calvinist and people who teach that some are elected to be saved and some are elected to be damned. I believe in Bible election, but I don't believe in their kind of doctrine. I believe in the doctrine uh, delivered unto the saints, not the doctrine that they're delivering, but the doctrine of election and the full knowledge of God and the sovereignty of God and predestination that was delivered to the saints, not the kind these fellows are delivering. Now then, if it was needful in that day to contend for the faith concerning the common salvation, then I want to know what the faith concerning the common salvation is and what must I contend for and what must I preach if I am true to the doctrine of salvation. All right. Now back in the book of Matthew, and I, I'll only hit high spots. I, I cannot, it would be utterly impossible for me to develop this message and deliver it in the time I have on the radio today. Back in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, God sent an angel and said, Joseph, that which is conceived in Mary is of the Holy Ghost. Take your wife home. Don't be afraid. It's all right. And a son shall be born, and you'll name him Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. And you'll call him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us. Now hear me, and hear me straight, and hear me please from the depths of your heart. The first step in the faith that brings salvation is to believe that Jesus was God's virgin-born Son, yea, God in the flesh. Now, I know, I know, yeah, I know there are great religionists who say that Jesus was not born of a virgin. And I know there are outstanding denominational men that deny the virgin birth. But that's the reason Jude said, I'm writing to you, and I'm admonishing you, and I'm calling on you to contend for the faith, and that's what I'm doing. I've said it many times on the radio, I say it again, and I'll say it a thousand more times if I live. Jesus Christ was not virgin born, he was the greatest imposter and the greatest counterfeit that ever set foot on God's dirt. He was not an imposter, he was not a counterfeit, he was God Almighty in flesh, conceived of the Holy Ghost, born of the virgin, he was God in flesh. Now, it's necessary to believe that. If Jesus Christ was not virgin born, then the power of his blood to save is no more than the power of my blood to save. But Jesus was virgin born. He took part. He took the flesh part of man, but his blood was sinless and divine. And he gave his blood for the remission of sin. All right, now then, that's the second step 
in the doctrine that we must earnestly defend and contend for in these days when evil men and ungodly men are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the Lord God that came into this earth to die for sinners. Number one, we must believe in the virgin birth. Number two, we must believe in the shed blood. Yes, the doctrine of Cain has moved to town. Indeed, Cain has multi-thousands of followers today. What did Cain do? Cain brought the labor of his hand, the fruit of the ground, and he presented to God his own offering. And God rejected it and he got mad. Now, brother, if you want to see a crowd of wine-bibbers and liquor-sippers and poker players get mad enough to fight, you go in some of these modern uh, synagogues, and when I say the word, I'm talking about uh, religious organizations. I'm not talking about a synagogue in the true sense of the word or the meaning of the word. I'm talking about some of these big, high-steeple edifices uh, that we call churches. In reality, they're church buildings. You go into some of these multi-million dollar places where Dr. Sound and Brass is the pastor and Professor Tinklin' Symbol is the assistant pastor, and you look people in the face and you tell them that they must be washed in the blood and they must bring a blood offering and they must trust in the blood. And brother, you've got a fight on your hands. Oh, yeah. Cain brought fruit and he presented it to God and God rejected it and he got mad. You tell folks today they must be washed in the blood, covered by the blood, saved by the blood, kept by the blood, presented to God by the blood. It's blood or hell. And mister, the liberals and the modernists don't like that. No, sir. They say you're a crackpot and a religious fanatic. Well, I'm glad what they say doesn't make any difference because God has already said it. And they can't add anything to it. All right. So... Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith once for all delivered unto the saints concerning the common salvation. Step number one is the virgin birth. But now let me point out a little deeper what I mean. The fact that Jesus came born of a virgin alone could have never saved us. In other words, he came born of a virgin. He was sinless. He was untouched by sin. He was untouched by iniquity. He was holy. He was perfect. He was sinless. But his holiness and his perfection and his sinlessness only showed up how sinful we are. He divided every crowd he spoke to. He'd deliver his message and the crowd would divide. Some would say that's God speaking and some would say that's a demon speaking. Some would say that's a prophet and some would say he's a counterfeit. And so he divided. He's the great divider. He's the great divider. All this stuff that you hear about a world church and world unity and world this and world that. It'll take place when King Jesus comes. Hallelujah. It'll happen when King Jesus sits on the throne of his father David and the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth as the waters now cover the sea. But it'll never happen as long as the devil is out of the pit. All right. So, the virgin birth alone could not save us. Now, he lived a sinless, perfect life, untouched by iniquity, untouched by guile, untouched by unrighteousness. He was the sinless one. Now, he lived on this earth approximately 30, 33 and a half years, and then something happened. They arrested him. They tried him. They condemned him. And he went to the cross. Why? Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must M-U-S-T. 
M-U-S-T, M-U-S-T. And let me say, a must with God is a must. When God says must, God means must, M-U-S-T. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him. Now just a minute. Believing in the virgin-born Son of God is not enough. You must believe that he's virgin-born and that he was lifted up, that he died on a cross. Now Paul said he was called and ordained, commissioned, and sent a minister to the Gentiles. And the brethren didn't pass on him either. God did. He didn't get his credentials from Jerusalem. He got them from heaven, praise God. And he had credentials that gave him authority. And he stepped into the synagogues and he announced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he preached it. Oh yes, it cost him his head. But if he'd had a hundred heads, he would have given them all for Jesus. So, the minister to the Gentiles declares in 1 Corinthians 15, I preached unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now, I say this tenderly, and please don't get mad, because I'm not mad. I'm mad at the devil, but I'm not mad with anyone. The only reason some dear spiritual advisors and some dear spiritual instructors do not preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, they don't believe it. They've never experienced it. They know nothing about it, and they can't preach it. You can't preach what you don't know. You can't preach what you don't know. Paul said, Brethren, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believe in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. I delivered what I received. How? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now today, you've read page after page here and there that the resurrection is a myth. The virgin birth is a myth. But my friend, I say it in love, and yet I say it sternly and dogmatically and emphatically and without apology. The virgin birth is not a myth, and the resurrection is not a myth. The virgin birth and the resurrection are Bible imperatives if you're saved. And I'm going to declare it till I die. I mean that. I mean it. I may not preach to big crowds, and I may not get my name in who's who of the Baptists. But since I already have my name in who's who of heaven, it doesn't make too much difference what the Baptists or the Methodists or anybody else thinks about me. I love the Baptists, and I love the Methodists. I love everybody. I love everybody. I don't hate anybody. I don't appreciate the way some people do. And when somebody denies the virgin birth and denies the resurrection and denies the shed blood, it makes me righteously indignant, but I love them. I feel sorry for them, and I pray for them. God pity them. God have mercy on them is my prayer. I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. He died. He died for our sins. 
He was born of a virgin, but his virgin birth can't save us. His sinless life can't save us. The miracles he worked in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and throughout the coast of that area, those miracles can't save us. The things he did on earth while he was here can't save us. It, it took the lifting up as Moses lifted up the serpent, even so must, 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 must. Then Jesus said in John, if I and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, John 12, I will draw all men if I be lifted up. Now, you may not agree with me, but brother, it's Bible whether you agree with me or not. It was absolutely imperative. It was a necessity. It had to be Jesus. Jesus had to die on a cruel, cruel cross. He had to be lifted up. Now, the virgin birth and the blood atonement. If I had the time, if I had the time, and I don't because my time is slipping, 30 minutes is just not enough to deliver a message like I'm delivering today. The virgin birth, the blood atonement. Now, he was born of a virgin and he shed his blood. But the fact that he was born of a virgin and the fact that he shed his blood won't save you unless, unless, unless you come to Jesus by faith. Now, preacher, just what do you mean by coming to Jesus by faith? I think I can tell you. I can't tell you. I can read it to you if you'll believe the Word of God. Now, if you're an atheist or an agnostic, well, of course, you don't believe the Word of God, and you've shut the door of heaven in your face, and I can't help you, and God can't. No one else can if you don't believe the Word, because the Word is God's message to man. All right. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that, the, uh, he that heareth my word, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Now, what does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The Word of God tells us that Christ came into the world not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. The Word of God tells us that Jesus said, Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. And the Word of God tells us that Jesus said in John 6, 37, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Now, what does it mean to exercise faith in the shed blood? It means to come to Jesus and say to Jesus, I'm coming to thee because I believe you were virgin born, lived a sinless life, was lifted up on the cross, died according to the scriptures, they buried you, and you came back from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. And I believe you did that according to the scriptures that I, believing what the scriptures teach about you, might be saved. Now, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe you lived a sinless life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you shed your blood, and I believe they buried you, and I believe you came back from the dead. Now, Jesus, I believe that, and I want you to come into my heart this very moment and save me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and save me. I'm coming to thee by faith. I'm coming to thee by faith. I receive thee by faith. Come into my heart and save me. And if you'll pray that prayer and mean it, God will save you and you'll know it. Amen. Yes, he will. God will save you and you'll know it. All right. 
Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to earnestly write to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered on saints, the faith concerning the common salvation. All men are saved alike. All men are saved alike. There is one salvation and only one. There is one redemption and only one. And you are saved through the virgin birth, the sinless life, the death, the burial, the resurrection. In other words, it takes it all. He had to be born of a virgin in order that his blood might wash away our sins. If he had not been born of a virgin, his blood could not have washed away our sins. You must exercise faith in his blood because it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses from all sin. You must believe in the blood to be saved. So, the heart, the soul, the very essence of salvation is the virgin-born, sinless, crucified, resurrected Son of God. Accept Him, receive Him, believe on Him, trust Him, and you're saved. Hallelujah. Will you do it now? Father, save the soul that's under conviction. Save the soul that's calling upon you. Save the soul that's nearest hell, O God. And we'll give thee the praise in Jesus' precious name. And for his sake we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.